Amen. This morning, do you believe that we serve a God who is resurrected? I want to say I'm so thankful you're tuning in with us this morning. I know we might have those of you tuning in that caught us on your feed on Facebook or we're searching around on YouTube. We're so thankful you're here if it is your first time. My name is Pastor Garrett, and I just want to welcome you into our church service as we celebrate Easter together. This morning, I want to talk to you along the lines of the idea and really preach to you of I'm on the other side. As we really take a step back and as we look at what our country is going through, as we look at what our churches, our families, our, our workplaces, we've been told from the beginning that the reason we're social distancing, we're putting ourselves in quarantines, we're isolating, is all for the, the purpose of flattening the curve. I think we've seen all the graphs and, and terminology, and we've really added this vernacular in of flattening the curve. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that this is an Easter unlike any other. Yes, that's true, but we serve a God who flattened the curve for you and for I. That we see on Friday when Jesus died on the cross, that it looked like the curve had not yet peaked, that it looked like the curve was going up and going up. But three days later, after he died, the Bible says that he rose from the grave, that the tomb was empty. And at that moment, hell, death, and the grave was completely flattened. The curve was gone, and we begin to see what the other side of the resurrection began to look like. See, the Bible gives us several accounts. It's really an interesting time in Scripture and in the life of Jesus, where between his resurrection and ascension, we see eyewitness accounts that saw Jesus in his resurrected body. Well, I want to visit one of those stories this morning, and it's found in Luke 24, and it's called The Road to Emmaus. And really, we're going to see two people that walk this seven-mile journey as they leave Jerusalem, as they've lost hope because they didn't know or didn't think Jesus was going to resurrect. And we really get to see a conversation uh, where Jesus comes to them, they have no idea it's him. They don't, their eyes are restrained, the scripture says. But we're going to see this account and how Jesus reveals himself to, to these two, Cleophas and what's believed to be Luke here on the road to Emmaus. Let's open up with a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you so much that you long to resurrect some things in our life, that you want to take every grave and turn it into a garden, that what was stolen by our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden where sin entered the world, we thank you that it was in the garden of Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, where the tomb was found empty, where Jesus resurrected. So, Father, we receive the resurrection power of God, that it would come right into our homes or right wherever we're listening or watching. We serve a God who is greater. We serve a God who is immovable, steadfast, and unshakable. Let the spirit of resurrection fall upon us as we begin to look like of what it looks like to be on the other side. We love you, Jesus. Fill this place. Let this word be anointed. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Well, let's jump right in. Let's see what Luke 24, verse 13 has to say. It says, now on the same day, 
two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking with the other about everything. They were walking and talking about everything that had just happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleophas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Look what Jesus says. We really see a humorous side of Jesus here. But in verse 19, he says, What things? He asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, go ahead and underline that right there, that they had hoped that it was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is, and what is more, is it the third day since all this took place? In addition, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going to the Father, as he was going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table, he took some bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. Then verse 31 says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those with them assembled together. If I can encourage you this morning about being on the other side of death, about being on the other side of really pain, about being on the other side of hurt. See, all of us right now, we're uh, looking to Easter. We're looking for encouragement. We're looking for the light at the end of the tunnel because we know that through this virus, through this coronavirus, that we will get to the other side. It's just how do we stay strong? How do we keep the faith? How do we keep calm and carry on between what is and what we're believing to be the light at the end of the tunnel? What is going to be on the other side? And what we see through the story, if there's any encouragement, that the Easter shows us that death is no longer a dead end. That when Jesus died, it was not the end, but it was going to be the beginning when he resurrected. I want to encourage you this morning that it's always too soon to quit, that I don't know what is, is pressing you and what is weighing you down, but if I can encourage you as a shepherd this morning, do not quit. Do not give up, that we have hope because of what Jesus did, because of the resurrection. 
See, Easter gives us hope that we can have faith in a good God. Not just when we're feeling blessed, not just when everything's going our way, but we can have faith in a God who is with us in the middle of the pit, who's with us in the middle of the virus, that he longs to resurrect, that he longs to turn the graves in our life into garden, that he wants to take what it seems like ashes and turn it into beauty, that he wants to take seas and turn them into highways. See, we see here that really our part is, is we have to learn to recognize Jesus, that they didn't recognize Jesus for seven miles, but through this process of Jesus talking with them, they, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And we saw really courage and we saw faith begin to arise in them. As the scripture said, their heart began to burn. As we look a little closer at this story, uh, one part of it that really grabs my attention is that it was five women that saw Jesus first. And one of those women, we get the account of uh, in John chapter 20 by the name of Mary Magdalene. Now, if you know a little bit about Mary Magdalene, we would see in uh, the early parts of the Gospel of John where she is mentioned that she had seven demons. And Jesus laid hands on her and prayed for her, and those seven demons had left her. We also see in that passage of Scripture that Mary Magdalene was an affluent woman, a woman, that she was financially well off and that she resourced the ministry of Jesus and the disciples as they traveled and healed the sick and, and preached the gospel. But what I love about this is that uh, church history will tell us that Mary Magdalene was actually an apostle to the, to the apostles, that she was the first to say Christ is risen. I know there's a lot of debate going on. Can women preach? Can women, can women speak? Can they have a place in the church? Well, Jesus said loud and clear from the very beginning that women were the first to say Christ is risen. Women were the first to speak the gospel truth. And by Mary's witness, she's now an apostle to the apostles. I love this little side detail. And as we read her story in, in John chapter 20, Jesus had hidden himself from Mary as well, that Mary was the first at the tomb and she begins grieving and she begins weeping. And I think we can identify with Mary because a lot of us for these last four weeks of being quarantined, of losing jobs, maybe knowing a loved one who has caught this virus is that we've been in this state of really grieving what was. Maybe we don't have a job to go back to. Maybe our portfolios and our finances are looking there's not a lot of hope there anymore. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that in the middle of Mary's grief, we see that Jesus appears to her. But here's a pretty neat detail about the story is she doesn't recognize him at first either. See, she had mistaken when she was grieving. Uh, Jesus had, had said, Mary, why are you grieving? And she kind of looked back and really didn't recognize him. And the Bible says that she had mistaken Jesus as a gardener. And I think this really speaks a lot to who Jesus is on the other side of death, who Jesus is as our resurrected Lord and Savior, that Mary had mistaken Jesus as a gardener. If you're taking notes, write this down, that Jesus on the other side of death looks like a gardener. I began to think about this, that she had mistaken him for a gardener. What does a garden do or a gardener do? 
We see John 15 speaks of how Jesus is the gardener and he's pruning off vines and he's pruning off branches and, and, and pruning the weeds that try to come up in our life to steal our faith, to get us to respond in fear, to get us to worry and not worship. That we serve a God who is a gardener. That we serve a God who longs to prune. And see, we need to be reminded that during this time, that before Sunday ever came, it was Friday. And yes, we call it Good Friday, but at that time, there was nothing good about it. That there was fear. There was anxiety. Everyone that followed Jesus began to scatter. That they began to say, did we waste three years of our life following this Jesus? That we were looking for something that never came. But we see that when God prunes us, it may feel uncomfortable, but the results are always worth it. And we can all sit in our homes. We can stand right now. And I think we can agree that there is some major pruning going on in all of our lives. Major pruning in our finances, major pruning in our relationships. But don't lose hope and don't lose faith because this is an attribute of God as a gardener. And on the other side of death, Jesus looked like a gardener. Let him prune the doubt and the fear and let him show you the power of the resurrection that you're going to make it to the other side. The curve is going to be flattened. So as we continue reading this story, we see that their eyes were restrained, that they couldn't see him. They couldn't see that Jesus was standing right next to them, walking with them, communing with them, talking with them. And I, I don't know if you remember the show Undercover Boss, but it's where the boss would, would dress up and disguise himself and go into his company to see how people really were. And really, Jesus is kind of acting the same thing because we see uh, he kind of plays dumb to what had just happened, that they're talking about Jesus to Jesus. And see, the truth is, and the reason Jesus, I believe, did this is because Jesus can't heal who you pretend to be, that he wanted to know where their heart posture was. He didn't want them to, to know right off the bat. He wanted to see who they really were. He wanted a vulnerable, honest conversation with these two on the road to Emmaus. And so Jesus says, and what we see take place, as they're having this conversation with him saying, yeah, we, we had hoped that Jesus was going to redeem Israel. So that gives us some context to what was going on in Cleophas and, and, and what we believe to be Luke, what was going on inside of their head, that they had lost all hope. That's why they were leaving Jerusalem and going to Emmaus, that they had given up on what they thought what was. And what I want to encourage you this morning, Scripture is very clear that hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're slowly giving up hope. But if we can look to the resurrection this morning, that Christ conquered hell, death, and the grave, that we don't have to give up hope, that we can put our hope in Jesus, that we're going to see that he is going to reveal himself and their hope is going to strengthen again. See, here's what they had believed, is that Jesus, he really didn't tell them, Jesus didn't do what they had expected him to do. And I think we get caught up in this is that, Hope deferred happens when we have unmet expectations. I think we're, a lot of us are experiencing that right now this Easter season. We're having unmet expectations because of how everything has been turned upside down. See, their unmet expectations is they wanted a lion, but they got a lamb. 
They wanted a politician, but they got a prophet. They wanted a general, but they got a good shepherd. They wanted a crown, but he got a cross on his back. They wanted a throne, but they got a grave. They wanted a king, but he came as a servant. They wanted justice, but Jesus gave grace. And so I want you to know this morning, and we need to be reminded, that at times God doesn't give you what you want, but he definitely gives us what we need. That's so good. I'm going to say it again. Write it down. That God doesn't give us what we want, but he definitely gives us what we need. See, Luke 24, 25 through 26 really begins to, to speak to this, where Jesus just really doesn't have a social cue. I mean, they're mourning because they saw their Savior die. They saw him ha to have a brutal death, be flogged and be beaten. They saw the, the nails and go in his hands and his feet. And so they're in, a, in part grieving the loss of Jesus. But look what Jesus said as he just rebukes them right off the bat because they're not having hope anymore. He says to them, how foolish you are in Luke 24, 25. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. What I want us to see through this is Jesus rebukes us, but when he rebukes us, he always fills us afterwards. That a rebuke just doesn't happen for the sake of, re of a rebuke, but it's to grab our attention, and then Jesus is always good to fill us after he rebukes us for our unbelief or when we lose hope. That rebuke kind of gets a bad uh, rap, but a rebuke can grab our attention, and this is what Jesus begins to do. We also see where he calls them foolish for being slow to believe. This thought came to me that if we're slow to believe God's word, we'll be slow to receive God's promises. Write that down. If we're slow to believe God's word, we're going to be slow to receive God's promises. See, Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. I don't know, again, where you're at or maybe what you're feeling in this moment, but one thing I can encourage you is you need to get your faith up like never before. You need to begin to stir your faith because it's when we have faith, we're going to keep on moving. It's when we have faith, we're not going to give up. It's when we have faith, we will be unshakable. We will be steadfast and we will be immovable because it, because it is faith that activates a spirit of iron, a spirit of strength in our life. And so they had lost faith. They had lost hope. And so we see Jesus rebuke them for little faith, for not believing. But then right away, we begin to see Jesus insert himself and begin to encourage them with what the scripture said. Look at Luke 24, 27. It says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Again, they didn't know this was Jesus at the time, but Jesus just rebuked them for believing. And so now he's going to begin to tell them, he said, all of this was prophesied. How are you losing hope from Genesis on? Everything in the Old Testament up to now was prophesied of, of the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, of the resurrection of Jesus. And so we don't get the sermon that Jesus preaches here. 
But I can begin to imagine that Jesus goes all the way from Genesis and he begins showing the allegory and the symbolism of, yeah, that we lost it all in a garden, but Jesus resurrected in a garden and got it all back for us. That Jesus began to show he is the true and better. I can think of it that it began to sound a little bit like this video I want you to check out. Watch this. So that'll be the true and better video. Okay, I'm going to finish up here. Okay. All right, so this will be after the video. Man, I love that. And that speaks that Jesus is the true and better. That Jesus began showing them from every verse, every book of the Bible, that he is the true and better. That he is the one that was prophesied from the beginning. And I can tell you, as Jesus is saying, I am the true and better, that faith began to rise in them. That they began to see. And the Bible tells us in this passage of scripture that once he revealed himself, that once he said, I am the one who I was speaking about. It says that once he was revealed after they had had communion together is that he again vanished, that he went away. And see, we never see them compl complain because Jesus decided to go away after he revealed himself again. It's because faith was stirred in them. I like to say it this way too. Although we don't have a tangible Jesus in front of us, we have the intangible Jesus on the inside of us that we have one who longs to be king of our heart. We have one who is on the throne of our heart, that he is the true and better, and that we can have faith to get through this. We can have faith to get to the other side. We just need to stir our faith by believing the word of God. And see, we see that as they, Jesus had vanished, as he left the table after they had communion, what we begin to see that they... Uh, Cleophas and, and, and Luke begin to have this conversation back and forth and saying, man, when he was preaching, when he was telling us he was the true and better, didn't it begin to burn in your heart? It's as though they began to have a spiritual heartburn, that something began to come alive in them, that what had, where they had lost hope, where they had lost faith, where they had worry, where they were leaving the road where they were leaving Jerusalem to flee to Emmaus, everything began to change because Jesus was revealed into their life, that they saw that the resurrection was real. And I love it because it says that their heart began to burn. See, last week we talked about that there's this spirit of antichrist that longs to kill the joy in your life, that longs to make the word of God God doll that doesn't, where it, it's, where it says in Hebrews, it's no longer active and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. See, when you encounter the living God, when you encounter the resurrected Jesus on the other side, something should come alive in you. Something should burn in you. See, I'm a product of being here today because I've encountered Jesus. And my heart is that everyone watching this now would encounter the living God, that you would encounter and experience the spirit of resurrection, that the resurrection was not just an event that happened 2,000 years ago, but it is very applicable and very real to your life now, that he wants to resurrect you from death to life, that he wants to resurrect you from fear to faith, from worship 
to worry, that we need resurrection power within us. I also think, too, that Peter was one that on Good Friday, he denied Jesus when he saw Jesus being uh, drug off to be uh, flogged and to be beaten, that Peter began to get very fearful. And when a little girl, the Bible says, noticed that, uh, hey, aren't called Peter out, hey, aren't you one of his followers? Peter looked at her and the Bible says he cursed her and said, I, I don't know him, I'm not with him. And he denied Jesus three times. That was Peter on the, the, the side of death, the, the side before the resurrection. But Peter on the other side, when Jesus revealed himself, see, Peter had denied. Peter was like, oh my gosh, how did I do this? How did I, uh, Jesus even said at the Last Supper, you're gonna deny me three times. And so Peter, full of shame, Peter, full of guilt, that's where Peter was. But on the other side, when Jesus revealed himself, he said several verses later that, Peter, you're the rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And Peter, when he came down from the upper room, when the Holy Spirit fell, fell, something supernatural happened, where Peter became courageous, where the word of God began to burn in his heart. And we see that thousands of people came and experienced Jesus, experienced the power of the resurrection, because Peter went from a coward to being emboldened by the Holy Spirit, forgiven for denying Christ, and set on mission to preach the power of the resurrection. You need to know this, that the cross shows Jesus was simply just a man, but the empty tomb shows us that he is the incarnate God, that he is God in the flesh. You know, we see a detail in this passage of Scripture as well. It says, for seven miles they walked. If you know anything about number seven would, would be the number of completion. That, G, that God created the earth in seven days and on the seventh day he rested. So we even see the symbolism in that number seven, that the seven miles, that it was Jesus showing that it is finished. It is done. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill every scripture to show you I am the true and better. I pray you've been encouraged this morning. I pray that you would take some time just to reflect on the goodness of God, on the resurrection power of God, that you have life, that death does not have the final say, but the resurrection has the final say, that death was defeated by death. Isaiah says that death was swallowed up in victory, that you have victory today, that the curve of sin, the curve of death has been flattened. See, we must change our perspective to change our position. That if we don't have the right perspective of being on the other side, then our position will never change. That we'll be downcast like they were before they experienced Jesus on the other side. And if I can encourage you again that you have this resurrection power, that he longs for you to live in the resurrection realm on the other side. That God doesn't give you what you want, but he gives you what you need. And if we're slow to believe God's word, then we're going to be slow to receive God's promises. I don't want that to be the case for us. I want us to be all in. I want us our, our faith to rise. See, what would begin to happen as they went back, they turned around and they went back on the road to Emmaus, back to Jerusalem, that as this was burning in their hearts, that something powerful had changed, something powerful and supernatural had occurred in their life. Because if they, they knew that going back to Jerusalem could mean their very lives, 
that there was going to be political upheaval, that they, there was going to be those between the Pharisee and, and the Roman leaders that wanted to, to squash and end this movement of the resurrection. And so when they went back, the Bible even talks about Peter, who would be the leader of the apostles, who would, who would lead them into the book of Acts and seeing the Holy Spirit do amazing things. That Peter, who was turned from a coward to one of the most fierce preachers and believers, the rock of the church, it says that he came to a place and would die a martyr's death, that 10 of the 12 apostles would die a martyr's death. And Peter, when it came to his end, that they wanted to crucify him like Jesus did. But Peter, church history will tell us, didn't want, says that he didn't want to be crucified the way of his king. So history records that Peter was actually crucified upside down. See, when we see how the apostles responded on the other side, when Jesus was resurrected, the only way they knew to respond was to be all in, to give their all, to surrender every part of their life. And God used them powerfully, and God longs to use you and to use I powerfully. But we have to get to the other side. We have to live in the resurrection realm, that God is longing to, to partner with us to, to be a garden of resurrection and a wasteland, that the world is hurting, the world is broken, it needs the touch of the gardener, the touch of the resurrection power. And so this morning, if you find yourself, maybe, again, you're tuning in and this is the first church service you've watched, or maybe this message is resonating with you and you want to get back to the place of where you're all in. Well, the Bible says all you have to simply do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that that's the beginning to restoration, that that, in other words, is where we repent. And when we repent, we begin to find the renewal of Jesus. We begin to experience that resurrection power of what we've allowed sin and pain and hope deferred to cause death. Jesus, by confessing, I want you in my life. You are Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. That he can begin to resurrect that again in your life. And so if you're watching... You've never made a decision to say, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Or maybe you find yourself and you've backslidden and you've walked away. Well, I'm here to announce this morning that this is the season of mercy. This is the hour of grace. And I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance where you, as you pray this, you're saying, I am turning from death and I'm going to the other side. We'll play it on there and see where we're at. You you just had talked about uh, it being a season of mercy. Okay. All right. See, this is a season of mercy. This is the season of grace. And the heart of God this morning is to get you to the other side, to get you in that resurrection realm. And what I want to do as your pastor, I want to lead you in this simple prayer. So if you were to repeat after me, Say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of them. I ask that you would come and take residence in my life. This day, I choose to follow you. I choose to make you Lord of my life. I want to follow you wherever you take me. 
Teach me your ways. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, the Bible is clear. It says that when you turn to Him in a spirit of repentance, that you begin to experience new life, that you begin to experience renewal. And I want to welcome you into the family of God, that He loves you and He is so proud of you. The Bible even says that the angels in heaven are rejoicing and throwing a party for each and every person that calls Jesus Lord. And so you're a part of the family. I want to welcome you to the family of God. And see, the way that we want to connect with you, if you prayed that prayer, you'll see in the description below that there's a link. Go ahead and click that link, fill your name and, and put your phone number. And I want to personally reach out to you and walk you through some next steps of what it looks like to follow Jesus. I also want to speak uh, to all of our church members that have celebrated Easter and worshiped together with us this morning. I want you to be encouraged that these battles we're facing to not give up, to not quit, to keep allowing the spirit of resurrection to come forth in your life. Speak right things, believe right things, look at right things, hear right things, allow faith to be stirred in your life. I believe a spirit of faith has been released this morning as we've gathered together. And I want to pray a blessing. I want to pray an impartation of resurrection power, of faith to come into your home right now. If you'd lift your hands right in your living room, I want to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for the power of Easter, for the power of the resurrection. God, I ask for a spirit of faith to be deposited, that we know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that our pain is temporary, but the progress, but the promise is permanent. So God, we lean into what you're doing. God, that this is an Easter like we've never experienced before, but we know that you are at work, that you are gardening and that you are pruning fear, doubt, and unbelief out of our life. I pray blessing over your church. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Well, I thank you for tuning in with us this morning. We're gonna be back next week preaching uh, the gospel going into what the New Testament begins to reveal about the resurrection. I pray you enjoy time with family, that you discuss this message. And as always, leave a comment right underneath on our YouTube or Facebook chat. Let us know that you were here with us. Give us any praise reports, any prayer requests. We want to come into agreement uh, with you this morning. But I pray God's richest blessing. I pray that you experience the touch of God this morning as you're watching, as you're in your homes, as you enjoy an Easter brunch together. But we love you, and we'll see you next week. God bless.